When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Need to Know, real talk about unidentified anomalous phenomena. From Australia, Ross Coulthard. From the US, Bryce Zabel. Hello and welcome back to Need to Know. I, I think I can't honestly say this is a joyous or happy moment in the subject of UAP revelations. This has been a very, very grim week. I'll bring in my colleague Bryce Zabel from Los Angeles and we can begin the dissection of possibly the most crucially important UAP legislation in history, uh, which started out as an attempt, Bryce, to try and provide some kind of disclosure of just what it is that the US government and certain aerospace companies know about UAPs, but over the past few weeks has turned into a debacle. Welcome, my friend. Thank you. I'm wearing my Christmas tie and uh, shirt ensemble to try to be a little less grim today, and uh, that which, of course, is not easy. Uh, th- this is, um, you're right. I mean, there's no good way to spin it, which we'll get into in, in just a second. But we clearly have s- suffered a setback, but it's not the first time uh, disclosure progress has been set back. And it also doesn't mean that it's over. So we'll get to that. But, I'll, I'll, you know, why don't you bring us up to speed on where we stand on this thing right now? Okay. So for those in our audience who aren't fully aware of the implications of what we're talking about, every year the US government has national defense appropriation laws, the NDAA, which basically gets passed normally in late December. Earlier this year, around about June, July, the Senate Majority Leader, Chuck Schumer, one of the most powerful people in the Congress, proposed quite extraordinary UAP disclosure laws in an amendment to those defence appropriations. That UAP Disclosure Act proposed, among other things, what's called eminent domain, the confiscation, believe it or not, and this, this was said over 20 times, the confiscation of non-human intelligence technology and any non-human intelligence biologics. The implications of that were quite awesome, and it really was quite something to see in draft legislation, a proposal that essentially the US government was deeming that henceforth, once this legislation would pass, it would control all NHI, non-human intelligence technology, at a time when the Pentagon maintains the position that there is no credible evidence of extraterrestrial visitation to this planet. It was truly momentous to see a Senate majority leader like Chuck Schumer taking the lead for the Democrats, along with other colleagues, by the way, in essentially putting a position that would have first and foremost put the issue of whether there is a non-human intelligence in any way engaging with humanity right at the subject of public scrutiny. The other thing that this UAP disclosure law would have done is create a um, presidentially appointed 
uh, UAP Records Review Board, the URRB. And this board, I think, was the absolutely crucially important part of the UAP disclosure legislation that Senator Schumer was proposing. And frankly, the URRB is dead and buried with a stake through its heart. Whoever the defence aerospace and defence intelligence people are that don't want UAP transparency, they have done, hats off to them, a brilliant job in shafting potentially the most significant UAP disclosure legislation in history. Uh, let's not be in any pretense about this, Bryce. Uh, we do have... <laughs> laws now on the books that are going to go before the Congress for approval, but they are a pale shadow of what was proposed because the URRB, the uh, presidential panel, was going to be a nine-member panel that essentially using independent, and I, I suspect knowing who was being approached and who was being sounded out for possible involvement, I suspect it would have been a very genuine and rigorous attempt to try to declassify some of the still secret files that we know the US government holds on the UAP issue. And frankly, that has been gutted. It is totally and utterly dead and buried. It is a big rock <laughs> sitting on it. Uh, there is absolutely no way that we're ever going to get any kind of independent review any longer of what the um, Congress uh, wants us to know. And it's interesting because I, I think we just need to put it on record, Bryce, that this legislation, this UAP disclosure legislation, was bipartisan until very recently. Uh, it was both sides of the House, both sides of the Senate, moving to push towards UAP disclosure, largely because of evidence that has been given in secret by witnesses such as David Grush, the uh, former intelligence officer insider, and other whistleblowers who've come forward, multiple dozens of other whistleblowers who've come forward over the last two years. And so in the last couple of weeks, there's been behind the scenes wrangling in the Congress, where essentially the UAP Disclosure Act has been steadily more and more emasculated, gutted, purged of anything useful that might assist in UAP disclosure. And what we have left is a flaccid, limp lettuce leaf of legislation, a pathetic shill attempt to try and pacify the public, who I am sure are going to declaim this legislation for the fop pretense that it is. I feel very strongly about this, Bryce. I think we've been played. I think all along there was a group in the defence aerospace lobby that wanted this legislation suppressed. We were led to believe that there was going to be a bipartisan support, but all along certain lickspittle congressmen, grovelling shills to the defence aerospace industry, were only too happy to stick their craven tongues in various orifices of the defence aerospace industry and essentially allow themselves to be manipulated to allow the subversion of public accountability for this issue. I, I just think it's a disgrace. It's a, a sad reflection on American democracy. We can talk about what we've got left in the legislation that is going to go to the uh, vote, but frankly, it's a pale shadow of what could have been. 
Wow. <clears throat> As always, Ross, you have um, made the English language come alive. I'm adding uh, several uh, to the list right now. We have the flaccid limp lettuce leaf uh, of legislation, the lick spittle congressman, the groveling shills, and the craven tongues and orifice, which is, I got to say, that's my that's that's a good one. That's going to the top of the list. Listen, you're so right. I mean, of course, you have to be angry about this, um, but it doesn't mean it's it's not bipartisan. Still, there some of those same people that have been actively talking about promoting this. They didn't go away. They've just been outplayed uh, for the moment, at least. And you know, I think the thing about this legislation as it is currently drafted, and I'm looking at it right now in real time, the first four and a half pages are talking about records and collections and things like that. It's just that the the way to get at them has been changed. But I'd have to say, I'm not a 100% sure that we've lost all that we thought we had lost. Because remember, in our very last episode, talking about the JFK Records Review Act, that also was passed in 1992. And as recently as the Trump administration, um, he released a, a dump of JFK documents, but kept some of them. And even Biden now has done the same thing, released documents and kept some of them. So the idea that the government is going to come clean on documents may or may not be that helpful. Because again, remember, the, the thing that the CIA and all the letter agencies say about things in paper, they say... I mean, about secrets, keeping secrets, they say nothing on paper, right? So some of the best kept secrets aren't written down in a way that you could get at them through documents. The other thing I would just say, uh, and again, I'm I'm as angry and disappointed as as you and many of our listeners are to hear that this is being derailed because, uh, let's face it, the last two NDAAs have each had a Christmas surprise in for us, and that was wonderful. Um but now uh, we didn't get all that we wanted in this one. We didn't even get close to it. Um, but uh, the people who have held it up now are known by name. Um, and in fact, I had them all written down here. I don't see it. But but of course, the congressman uh, of Wright Patterson. Uh, what's his name again? I'm, I'm Mike I'm, Turner. Yes, Mike Turner. I mean, Mike, good old Mike, Mike Turner, Turner has revealed. Yeah. What's I'm sorry. Go ahead. M Mike Turner from Ohio. Yeah, I know. Mike Turner is the guy who is the congressman where uh, Wright Patterson uh, is in his district. That's where Blue Book was. And all I would say to Mr. or Congressman Turner, when I give him all the respect he needs, um, you've revealed yourself, man. You know, you've shown uh, what your values are and you've shown who owns you. I mean, look at Mike Turner. Congressman Mike Turner's uh, donations over the years uh, to his campaigns, and my goodness, they're very, very strong in terms of aerospace. So if anything, uh, we may be a little less confident that the government is necessarily going to be leading this charge the way that they appear. They had appeared over the last few years to be interested in doing. That still could happen. But indeed, what we have to be thinking about right now is, okay, well, like everything in the U.S. right now that's political, it's all effed up. Okay. So clearly, um, in a nation that already is as divided and uh, confused about things as, as our nation appears to be, then it's kind of expected, isn't it? That they would also have uh, a lot of issues trying to come to terms with something uh, as demonstrably insane to the 
two years gone by as UFO uh, and UAP information. But I will say this. There are certain things, Ross, that you know as well as anyone that there is a growing consensus among people who have been whistleblowers, who are your sources, my sources, other researchers' sources. We have been getting told over and over that there is crash wreckage. I've seen uh, a recent article that said uh, uh, that from 12 to 30 craft, at least two of which are completely intact. We've been told about biologics, and that's, of course, splitting hairs. I look at it as whatever, but we also have bodies, some of them alive, some of them dead. I mean, we're talking about things now in the media that when I was growing up, and of course, we didn't have Twitter or X or whatever, but nobody talked about crash wreckage. I mean, Ross, when when I was a young man and, and first looking into the UFO thing, the only place you ever saw anything about crash wreckage or bodies was you know, take the spectrum and go to that side of the spectrum. That's where crash wreckage was. That's where bodies were. And now they're right here in the middle of it. We're talking about it. So I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm pissed off, but I've, I'm not giving up. So let's, let's just analyze the implications of this overthrow of the key UAP legislation. I think the first thing that I think we need to make the point about is if, as the Pentagon constantly asserts, there is no credible evidence known to AARO, it's very small and very limited UFO, UAP investigation office of ET, NHI activity on the planet. If that's really the case, why the fight? Why resist why not allow this legislation, the UAP legislation, to pass so that once and for all, these absurd claims about non-human intelligence, about recovered technology, about recovered biologics could be refuted convincingly? Why have so many key, mainly Republican congressmen, fought legislation that would have allowed once and for all the revelation yeah. that this is all just a shallow hoax, a fraud by a bunch of tinfoil hat crazies. That's the very interesting thing behind all of this, Bryce, that this UAP Disclosure Act represented an opportunity to finally get to the truth adjudicated by an independent panel of supposedly objective experts. Now, I know you and I were entitled because of the JFK Records Review Board to be very sceptical about the good intent behind a UAP Records Review Board. Just like with JFK, the assassination records have been long held back. There's a grave suspicion that there are still thousands of records being improperly withheld relating to a possible conspiracy involving the CIA and certain members of the government. And I don't think we'll ever get to the truth of that. And I don't want to be in a position in 25, 30 years' time where we're still talking about the UAP issue and hoping that some kind of declassification process will finally deign to feed us little chooks the truth. I think what the impedance of the UAP Disclosure Act has done is make inevitable what some people are calling catastrophic disclosure. And by yeah. catastrophic disclosure, I mean the 
coming forward of whistleblowers in ways that the government can't control, because it's going to happen. I mean, the reality is you cannot suppress this story any longer. There are a lot of people, not just David Grush, who are very, very angry that the technologies and the discoveries behind what we're talking about here are being improperly withheld from the knowledge, not just of the American people, but of the entire human race. There is a profound paradigm-shifting discovery that has been improperly, illegally, indeed criminally withheld from the knowledge of the public. And no matter what happens with legislation before the Congress, that story will eventually out. Stay with us. We're back in a moment because you need to know. It is true that it would be nice if those thousands of JFK documents were released all at once and we could sort of decide for ourselves, right? If there's a smoking gun in there, let's read it. However, I would say this. We don't know specifically today. We don't know who pulled the trigger or triggers that killed JFK, but we pretty much know it was a conspiracy. So that's something. That means that the public is ahead of the documents, that the public already knows, well, that was a conspiracy, clearly, and uh, I'd love to see those documents, but they're not going to change my opinion about the big picture. I think the same thing is true of UFOs, to be honest with you. It's like, we may not know who flies these UAP through our skies and under our seas and, and in our space. We may not know um, what they look like yet. We may not know if they have names. We don't know where they're coming from, but we know that they're not us, right? So I think the public is starting to get with UFOs the same way it's already gotten with JFK, which is we know something's afoot. The fact that you're not cooperating the way that you ought to, and you're not being as transparent as you say you are going to be, oh, well, we're, we're, we're not going to have to be stuck on that. But I did have one thought, though. You, were, you made a very, very good point, which is a lot of people keep saying, why, why the opposition to this initiative if there's nothing to it? If there is absolutely nothing to the whole UFO UAP issue, why not let them look into it and end this debate once and for all? It'd probably be good for all of us. If there's nothing to see there, prove it and then move on. All right. Here's one of the answers is that um, the stigma is still around. All right. I need no better example of how this is being kept from all of us seeing the truth right in front of our eyes than last night's GOP debate number four. Because, okay, they've had four of these debates. One time, one time, uh, an anchor, uh, a Fox anchor, tried to ask Chris Christie about UFOs, and it was a big laugh line for Christie and for the, the rest of the uh, moderators and for the audience. All right, so now, last night... Uh, your employer, News Nation, was the host of the, the GOP number four debate. There was zero mention of this, even on News Nation. Now, why is that? Because Elizabeth Vargas was one of the hosts of this thing. And I like Elizabeth Vargas. I mean, you've been interviewed by her, and I've enjoyed those interviews. I think she clearly understands a lot about this issue. Uh, she has reported many, many segments. I've seen them all on YouTube. All right. So she and the rest of the talent at News Nation know that something strange is going on with the UAP issue. 
and that it's a national security issue and has been treated as a national security issue for quite some time, from the beginning, in fact. Okay, so why? Even though there were uh, four hosts, I believe, four moderators, three of them not from News Nation, uh, I believe, but there's Elizabeth Vargas from News Nation, and it's on News Nation. And she can't bring herself to ask a question about a national security issue that her own network is leading the field in in this coverage. There's only one answer for that, stigma. She is worried about not looking right with uh, the other moderators, or she knows it won't work because uh, Christy laughed it off and nobody will take it seriously. Or uh, the people at News Nation have said, yeah, yeah, no, we like to cover UFOs because it gives us good ratings, but dear God, don't ask about it when it when we're, we get the chance to host the, the big debate. So, you know, we have problems that we can overcome. The thing that we can't overcome instantly is the congressional stuff. That requires votes. That requires politics. It requires elections. But what we can overcome, and I, I believe we are starting to, but obviously we're still falling short occasionally, is this stigma issue. And, and I think that... Part of what we're going to have to do is what I feel need to know is dedicated to doing. We're trying to remove stigma. You and I are trying to come on here and be reasonable people talking about an important issue and treating it with the validity that it, it obviously has as an authentic issue. And as more and more people do that and more and more people hear about it, uh, possibly the stigma will lessen to the point where even someone who is a solid journalist like Elizabeth Vargas can actually timidly ask a question in a national debate. It, it, it seems quite obvious now that we're about to go through the 2024 election. And unless something big happens, none of these debates that are upcoming are going to mention this issue. And that is just another ridiculous thing. Now, I throw it back to you. You work for News Nation. You know what they know, because a lot of what they know they got from you. Okay. So, and David Grush. So what's going on here in your opinion? Oh, look, mate, I would have loved to have seen a question asked about the UAP issue as well. Um, unfortunately, I have no control whatsoever over what questions get asked. And I suspect neither does Elizabeth, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I think the, um, the, uh, the that's a question you'd have to ask them. I just don't know. I mean, well, um, then I, I, the, I would submit, what, Ross, what we should I, ask. I mean, what, I, what I finish um, in saying is I, I do think, though, that there is a residual stigma. <laughs> And I think that that stigma is a problem for right across the mainstream media. Uh, at least, frankly, News Nation's covering the issue. I mean, I've been hired, among other things, to look at the UAP issue and to do investigative reports on it. Frankly, that would have been unthinkable for a media organisation even probably two years ago. So I think we have come a long way. And I think I share your impatience. I'd like to see more questions aggressively asked every day. I'd like to see questions asked at White House press conferences. I, I, for the life of me, do not understand how, even in this new legislation, you've got references to non-human intelligence. You've got very clear implications there that the Congress thinks that there's something to investigate relating to a non-human intelligence and non-human technology. And the media are showing an appalling lack of uh, questioning 
insight. I mean, I, I, it wouldn't take much, frankly, if, if say, the combined resources of, say, the three major networks, CBS, NBC, ABC, and maybe the Wash Post and the New York Times, if they started devoting their investigative teams and started probing and asking questions, I think you could probably push this monster over very, very quickly. And all I'm coming back to, mate, is that at the heart of all of this is if anything, the events of the last few weeks underline to me that there is no basis whatsoever for us to expect that there is going to be transparency coming from Congress. Because sadly, the state of American democracy is such as President Eisenhower warned back at the time of his departure from the presidency that the military industrial complex, the defense aerospace community, the defense and intelligence community carries such sway within the administration of the US government that it's impossible to get proper scrutiny and accountability of issues like the UAP issue. And uh, I, I want to come back, Bryce, to the um, legislation, because I, I think we're talking here about the um, the legislation that is on the books and the reasons why I do have problems with the legislation. Do you mind if I finish my statement? So I, I sure. let you finish yours. Okay. Um, I assume you know Elizabeth Vargas's email, right? So either I'm going to get it from right, you I'm or I'm just going to get it. Right? I'm sorry, What's I know that? you want me to get me. I, I can see what you're doing, and you're trying to get me into a scrap with News Nation. I'm not going No, to I'm not trying to get you in a scrap. I'm going to – I want to ask Elizabeth Vargas well, you what asked any her. good reporter would ask her. I'm going to say, if not on your behalf, you know, on my I, behalf. I respect, and, I respect and admire Elizabeth, and I, I share the frustrations but, about what does and doesn't get covered at presidential debates. But you didn't let but, me finish uh, your, not, my thought, and you're telling me I have to let you finish your thought. You got to let me finish my thoughts too. I mean, I you probably don't understand this reference, but we're starting to sound like Siskel and Ebert here, which is very odd. All I'm saying is, I believe that Elizabeth Vargas can comment directly to us about why she wouldn't ask that, given the importance that issue has been given for national security at News Nation. Because I think part of what we ought to be doing is asking ourselves. How does how do we break apart this stigma and and move beyond? Like you know, the debrief uh, a, a, a reporter at uh, the debrief, Michael Clausen, wrote an article recently that said it's time to think beyond the science and national security framework when it comes to UAP. And this is something you and I have been saying for a long time. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting to say we got to get more data. Uh, yes, let's get more data. Um, national security. Well, yeah, we should definitely ask ourselves. Is this UAP thing a safe thing or not a safe thing? Uh, but at the same time, there are a lot of other ways that we can start looking at that, this thing by ourselves, in teams, whatever. Uh, we live in a beautiful time where the government doesn't tell us everything that we need to know and we can go get the information ourselves. And I'm thinking we're going to do it. And I, I would just simply say to Elizabeth and, and the other moderators, uh, why would something like this be off limits? It's just, you know, I'm, I'm curious um, if uh, if indeed News Nation, I'd be very curious. Did they have a discussion about this since they're the most well-known uh, network about it? Did they talk about it? Did they give her, uh, you know, uh, any kind of direction about uh, what questions she should or should not ask? Was she free to ask this? Did she choose not to ask it? 
uh, based on her own personal opinions or or the network. I just think these are the same kind of things. And I'm not doing I'm not saying this because you work for them or trying to put any shade between you guys at all. I'm just saying this is what we would do uh, and have done by the way, on these other debates. We held Chris Christie's feet to the fire and uh, the moderators and the and the, the audience. And I think uh, shows like ours and other shows probably need to do this more and more in the future because clearly um, it's, the way it's currently set up just isn't working. But anyway, yeah, let's go back to that uh, language and, and talk that over. So the, um, the UAP disclosure legislation that's still currently on the books, on its face, and a lot of people online are making a huge amount of um, celebration out of what this says. It says, for example, that every unidentified anomalous phenomena record shall be publicly disclosed in full and available for public scrutiny, not later than the date that is 25 years after the date of the first creation of the record. So basically, that's sounding like every record created before 1999 will be declassified, except, and this except. is why this is a joke, Yeah, it also allows for the president to certify that continued postponement can be made necessary by, quote, an identifiable harm to the military defence, intelligence operations, law enforcement, or conduct of foreign relations. And the identifiable harm is of such gravity that it outweighs the public interest in disclosure. Now, frankly, that is an absolute barn door catch-all that allows for the exclusion of anything that could be remotely embarrassing to the defence and intelligence community, particularly, for example, recovered technology that has been illegally withheld from the knowledge of Congress. There is no provision there for the public to be informed if there's any illegality or criminality, which to me should be absolutely crucial. Yes, there is other sections in the legislation that allows for Congress to be notified if they become aware of stuff that's not been properly disclosed to the Congress. But there's no requirement here that if there is any illegality or criminality that is revealed, any breaches of the constitutional requirements for congressional oversight, there's absolutely no requirement here for the public to be notified. And too much of the discretion in these new laws allows for heads of government departments. It's a bit like the foxes guarding the hen house. Heads of government departments to make the decisions about whether records are too sensitive to be revealed. Th that's why, my friend, I do think this is a joke. And um, uh, I, I, I think that ultimately what it underlines is that disclosure is not going to come from the Congress it's going to come from brave whistleblowers coming forward and revealing all. You know, it's interesting, Ross. I, all, all good points. Um, if Congress is going after documents, presumably the documents that they're going after are those that the government itself has uh, created or, or made available, right? So if indeed a lot of this has been done with private enterprise. I guess my question would be who controls those documents? And obviously I guess private enter uh, private enterprise aerospace would, would say, well, we do. So would the government have been able to get to those documents anyway? And if not, what is the way to get to those documents? Can those documents be, be 
wrestled loose from aerospace by lawsuits or, uh, and this is an interesting one, what if somebody starts leaking documents out of private aerospace? Is there a crime there? Or can they just, can they, and, and can they do that? I mean, what, what's our take on that? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think the bigger issue is I've actually expressed sympathy for the private aerospace companies that I know do have possession of retrieved non-human technology. I know that with a reasonable degree of certainty because in some cases, not all cases, they've done the retrievals themselves. And I can understand why there was concern about the confiscation, the eminent domain laws, because frankly, why should the government be able to confiscate technology that an aerospace company has recovered at its own cost um, it should perhaps be alerted to the existence of that technology, which is the oversight issue that I think needs to be corrected. But I've always had a problem legally with the idea that the federal government can step in after the fact and confiscate everything relating to non-human technology. And I, I know, because I've spoken to people about it inside Defence Aerospace, I know that was the concern. Um, I think that the government could have written more careful legislation, which basically allowed for it to be made aware of defence aerospace technology that is of non-human origin. Uh, and then they could have negotiated a way to, once they're notified of its existence, assert control over it in some way. Because ultimately, what lies behind all of this, I don't think any of us begrudge the idea that some of the best developments in aerospace technology in the last 70 to 80 years have come from places like Lockheed Martin, Skunk Works. You know, the US government is pretty bloody hopeless at developing its own technology. Private enterprise, free enterprise, is the better way of actually getting this done. And I love the story of Ben Rich and his colleagues going out and developing technology like the Blackbird, the SR-71, the U-2 spy plane, and frankly, building in the black technology that wasn't possible to be built inside the constraints of the US government. And hopefully, hopefully that's what's happening right now. Hopefully somebody is looking right now, sitting in a cave somewhere in some facility in deep in the Nevada desert, kicking the tires of a TR-3B and trying to figure out how it works. And hopefully that will be provided to the benefit of the US people and provide propulsion systems and power technologies that benefit not just the US, but the rest of the planet. And I can understand why there is a national security imperative that's placed on protecting those ideas. What I don't understand, and I think many of the people inside the program feel the same way, many of the people don't understand why the, the fact of the existence of a non-human intelligence should continue to be kept secret. And the argument seems to be that it's a slippery slope, that if you reveal that, you then have to reveal the existence of technology and that it inevitably leads to the sequestering by the federal government. And so I think that's what lies behind the pushback that's happened in the last few weeks behind the Congress. I, I do think that there were legitimate concerns about the eminent domain laws. And, you know, I've had points of difference with some of the people who have proposed those laws. That Their view was that 
in order to force the disclosure of the existence of these technologies, the only way was to, to assert the confiscation thereof, the eminent domain procurement. But I think in the long run, that's actually been fatal to legislation that, that really, frankly, was fantastic. It was the first legislation in US history that would have compelled the release of UAP records that we know exist and which most of the rest of the legacy media have their heads up certain orifices describing their interest in. I mean, the simple fact is we're beyond the issue now of whether UAPs are real. The Pentagon's admitted they're real. We're beyond the issue now of whether NHIs are a possible reality. Legislation before the Congress now admits that that is a possible reality. So what I don't understand is why there is less, as you say, and just coming back to your uh, critique of News Nation for not asking the question in the presidential debate, I, I do think it's a stigma thing. And um, I think a large part of it is going to be fixed when there becomes a momentum, when people suddenly realise, you know what, why would they be asking all of these questions about non-human yeah. intelligence and non-human intelligence technology if there wasn't something behind it? It's the lack of curiosity that gets me. And, um, you know, the simple fact is Senator Schumer would not have proposed this legislation in the first place, Bryce, unless he thought there was something to it. There wouldn't have been the bipartisan support in the Congress for it. And the tragedy is, I know it's going to lead to a risk of dangerous disclosure. The very thing that the government says it's trying to avoid, catastrophic disclosure, the disclosure of things that might imperil national security, might now happen. And, and that's the risk, is that people might bring stuff forward that ought not properly be revealed for the protection of national security. And I know there are a bunch of people out there in the UAP media world who think that there should just be reckless, full disclosure of everything. And frankly, I don't agree. And I don't care what you think. The simple fact is that there are things that have to be protected for the, the importance of national security. We are living in incredible dangerous times. What if the US has developed technologies in the black that it doesn't want to reveal from these technologies that they've recovered? I can understand why they'd want to keep that secret. I actually sympathise with the reasons why they might want to withhold that information. In the event of a conflict with a foreign adversary that has ill intentions towards the Five Eyes nations, I quite like the idea that our countries are in the position to be able to defend ourselves more rigorously than those foreign adversaries anticipate. Maybe that's the explanation. But what I, what I don't understand behind all of this is why there is the continued suppression of the likely existence, the almost impossibly not being the case, existence of a non-human intelligence engaging with this planet. Because the evidence is overwhelming. Too many people, both in government, intelligence, and private aerospace have said this to me, not just from America, but from other countries around the world. And I think we're now in an untenable position. We're gonna go into 2024, with the office that is entrusted with the supposed um, gradual declassification of UAP information, Arrow, maintaining the fiction that there is no credible evidence of UAP ET engagement with this planet. And um, I, I just worry that we're all being slowly snookered, played, 
and that really in the long run, this is a failure of leadership. Um, there was an opportunity here for a bipartisan position to be made on UAPs, and we blew it. The need to know never stops. The phrase that, uh, Ross, you just used, catastrophic disclosure, seems to be the phrase of the moment going around. Um, I'm going to suggest that that be our next episode, or at least we get into it deeply. Because, you know, I wrote a book about disclosure with Richard Dolan. I got a lot of opinions about that, and we don't have a lot of time left. But the one I wanted to follow up on is, and I, you know, listen, this is just how people see things differently. But you said that you had a lot of sympathy with private aerospace um, for not wanting to have eminent domain used to grab stuff from them. And I just, I kind of disagree with that. Um, and here's why. Uh, the question you asked, uh, you, were, you were asking it rhetorically, and then you answered it. You said, but why should the government have the right to do that? Here's my answer. Why should the government have the right to exercise eminent domain to get craft and bodies and other sensitive uh, evidence? And here's my answer. Because the government works for us, all right? The government is the institution that we have created to act on our behalf. And on a matter of this sensitivity and this importance, I fully endorse the government using its eminent domain to go get these craft and bodies because the private aerospace people, if that's who has them, have not done a very good job of sharing and uh, at all. They've done none of that. So from my point of view, it is absolutely okay. That's what was exciting about that legislation, that the government was going to say, hold the phone, folks. We're going to get this stuff and we're going to look at it. And that would have ushered in a whole different thing. I also have slightly different views on the, the idea that um, national defense means that we, we don't, and I guess we can talk about this in our disclosure episode, but national defense isn't the get out of jail free card where you get to say, um, we don't want to tell everybody everything. I, I don't think anybody is arguing uh, for anybody to tell them everything. And in fact, Ross, I agree with you so very much. I mean, all the tr all we really would like right now would be, again, what I've been calling confirmation. Just come freaking out and say, we are confirming non-human intelligence. We do have some craft. We do have some bodies. We've had them for a while, and we are reviewing what to do about that in a responsible way with the rest of the world. That would be fine with me, and that would hardly compromise national security. So two things then. Um, I do believe the government has the right to go after these uh, craft and bodies, and um, I don't think we have to uh, tell everybody everything to simply do the right thing right now and disclose this this secret, this truth that's been hidden from us for 80 to 90 years. So that's my take. Well, isn't it great that you and I can respectfully disagree as yes. good mates and still yeah. talk and have a conversation? I wish the Congress and the American <laughs> politics were capable of the same kind of intellectual discourse, my friend. Yes, absolutely, man. I mean, th this is the thing. It's like... It's one thing to have a discussion where two people can say, well, listen, please speak your part. You know, and in fact, folks, despite that little eruption there, the truth is what I think should happen more often in Congress is what Ross and I do. One guy expresses his point, goes on, has his own internal clock, says, I've been on long enough. I guess it's time to let the other guy talk. Then the other guy follows up and all that. That's 
nice. Instead of, you know, the talking over and the fighting like they did in that debate, it would be better if the congressional guys could get together and one of them say, you know, I, Mike Turner should say, here's my point of view, guys. And he should speak his piece probably in public, in a public forum, and other people should contradict him and have this conversation. And so I guess as we reach toward the end, what I am optimistic about, because at the end of the day, I I, I just don't think I could live without hope. Uh, my hope is that the other things that, uh, Ross, you've talked about and I've talked about here, which is, you know, there's a different reality about how uh, not everybody gets it. That's why there's still stigma. But there are a lot more people today that get it than used to get it in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. Uh, and that means there, this conversation has not only escalated from, gee, uh, you know, what what's that light in the sky up there? That's not the full issue anymore. Now the issue is getting down to the nitty gritty. Um, it isn't a matter of are they out there. Uh, it's now a matter of are they here? Well, what do they want? Who are they? Are we safe? I mean, these are all great questions. And for any society, a global society, to have something of that magnitude potentially happening and not clear the decks for honest, real conversation is, as you said, uh, Ross, at the very beginning, that's just criminal. And um, I'm sure there are a lot of laws that have been broken, but from just the point of view of just what is a criminal act to society, this is a criminal act. It should not be allowed to continue. And uh, that's why I think you're doing the Lord's work, man, and we all are. We're all, we're all like out there saying, okay, not everybody has to know everything at the same time, and not everybody has to agree on what it means, and not everybody has to agree on what the path ahead is. But we should all agree that we can acknowledge the truth of what's happening. And uh, so that's why I do this show. I think that's why you do the show. We are, we are more and more interested in saying, let's move to the next phase. Because the current phase we're in, which is denial phase, has to end. Uh, it can end uh, in an organized, reasonable way. Or it can end in what you called catastrophic disclosure. And if I get to vote... Uh, I'm voting for doing it in a in the most reasonable and calm and direct way that we can. That's my vote. Well, I think we're all on the same page, Bryce. Isn't that terrible? Yes, we end up having a little tiff, and then we end up agreeing with each other. <laughs> that's that's what friends do, my friend. I mean, that's the way it works. And and you know what? There are people that are disagreeing right now. You know, this is not an easy issue. There are people in power. There are people out of power. There are people who have secrets. There, there's just a lot to talk about, which is why, you know, every time we get on the show, I always go, gee, do we really have enough to talk about? And then by the end of it, I'm like, oh my God, I, we never got around to this, that, or the other thing. This is a big story and it's not getting smaller. And I can tell you, there are things coming up in 2024. And I know people are going to go, well, what are they? Tell me more. And they're just going to have to wait. But I'm pretty confident that we are going to see a very, very interesting year in 2024. I know that's said every year, but there are there are definitely things afoot. And if I was the gatekeepers, the people who are trying to put a muzzle on this issue, I would be very, very nervous. Well, I'll second that emotion. And uh, that's, you know, we're at a good place to say goodbye. I just want to tell everyone that um, 
we we hear you. You'd like to see the show more often. So would we. We're we're making efforts to figure out how to do that. So you will be seeing more of Need to Know, and um, you know, and I, I also want to point out uh, we haven't really uh, talked about it, but when you are doing uh, some of this uh, th- this reporting on this topic on um, on uh, News Nation, and it comes close to w- one of these shows, we should be talking about it because you're breaking new stuff in this world, and and people need to know about it. Uh, there I go using need. It's funny, by the way, Ross, I'll just leave you with this thought. We have a show called need to know. And until we named it that I never thought about this, but now I watch, I watch a lot of these YouTube videos and I listen to, uh, you know, I listen to politicians talk about it. The amount of times people say need to know is through the roof. I saw Jeremy Corbell, who is a friend of the show, and we like Jeremy. Uh, he and George have a great podcast, Weaponized George Knapp. But I saw Jeremy Corbell do an interview, and he said, need to know, like seven or eight times in, in like a short interview. And I just thought, there's something to that. You know, we we say that at the end, you know, we do need to know because you need to know. But the truth is, that's what everybody thinks. They think they need to know. Well, the, the, the thing I love about it is we mean it in two ways. It's ambiguous. We're saying we do need to know, but yep. there's also a phrase in the intelligence world that you have no need to know. Correct. Essentially, the, the term need to know is often used as a barrier to information. And uh, I, I like the ambiguity because, frankly, um, we do need to, know, need to know. And there is yeah. no basis for a determination that there is no need to know. So uh, I think on that note, mate, we can't say that anymore. Enough. We have to get out of here. We, we have to go. Uh, but Lenny, anyway, great to see you again. We'll, we'll try to do this sooner. And for everyone else, talk to you soon. See you soon. Need to Know is a joint production of Stellar Productions and Powerful Owl Productions. The producer is Rich Johnson. Want more? Find more at needtoknow.today. That's needtoknow.today. Today.